Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the Master of Ceremonies, Matt. And for the final time, Team Edward, Master of Ceremonies, Matt, because we're putting a pin on Twilight here. This is the finale. This is the end of Twilight, folks. It is the end of an era. An era I did not expect to go as well as it did. But man, did we get invested in these movies. Honestly. And especially me. Honestly, what a dark horse. What, what, a, what a Cinderella story <laughs> of, uh, of a come around for, for the Duke of Spook here. Uh, Team Jacob until the bitter end, uh, Duke of Spook, Danny. I, you put up, you yep. had a real good run there. And listen, you I had me the fight. first half. You did. Uh, I'm just glad to see that the right wins out in the end. oh man i love it i love it so much i was really upset the other day uh i missed uh i missed the talk because i had a client um but Mm -hmm. there was a person that came to do a lecture at western and their the entire impetus of their talk was how um 50s horror which was like the golden age of like the revival of horror in the american pop culture pulled heavily mm-hmm. from like old school universal horror and how that still applies to now so like with the popularity of stranger things and wednesday and of course the twilight saga and i can't believe that i missed the talk because oh, like my friend damn. went to it and was like holy shit she was talking mad shit about team edward and i'm like man i should have been there <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I was like, man, because I really wish we could have gotten her on the show because I feel like this is a really cool topic that we've already kind of explored a little bit. And to have, like, an expert would have just been like, see, they weren't just flapping their gums. (laughs) Yeah. No, but we've come to the end. Uh, It's been quite a ride. Danny has been uh, all over the place with this franchise emotionally, and it's made me (laughs) laugh. Uh, We didn't really go over uh, predictions because we watch these movies back to back. Uh, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts kind of going into part two now that you saw how part one ended? So I was really excited for part two because I had this whole like Harry Potter comparison. Cause I was like, oh, so this is the movie where like shit is going to hit the fan now that Bella is full on vampire and it's gotta be good. And plus the baby is now in play, yeah. which is going to make things a whole hell of a lot more complicated. Plus, with that post credit scene, we know that Arrow's going to continue to be a bastard. Um, which I knew would have to come to, like, a head here, because there is no continuation for Arrow to be a bastard in a different movie. They can't push it back any further. Michael yeah. Sheen's got to show back up. No. They've done what I've done with my midterms, where they've pushed it back to the last possible minute, and they're like, well, he has to do something <laughs> in this movie. There's literally no way we can extend this further. We've already extended it an extra movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I was reading a little bit about um, the like making of this two-part. Apparently, for a while, they weren't sure they'd be able to make it as a two-part movie. Wow. Because um, the contracts for um, Kristen Stewart, um, Taylor Lautner, and Robert Pattinson were only for four movies. Oh. So they had to, like negotiate with them to allow it to be broken into a two-parter and when they hired the director they were still set on it just being a one film movie mm-hmm. and then they eventually negotiated their way into two and of course they so i would love to know what that happened <laughs> yeah they were able to stick with the same director for part one and part two which probably made it a bit mm-hmm. less of a headache uh, these movies came out one year after the other, and they're both pretty big, so it leads me to believe that they did a little bit 
of filming at the same time, I would wager. Oh, yeah. I'd believe it. Yeah, it just seems to make some sense. Um, But uh, we kind of touched on it before, uh, but this is where the budget of the two really went. Uh, They really go off. They pull pull out all the stops for the end of the Twilight Saga. Uh, And some... This movie's an emotional journey. Uh, Let me just preface with that. It is. It definitely is. All right. Um, You want to get into it? We've got uh, quite a bit to cover. (laughs) We. I took a lot. uh, Okay. So this is how you know Danny went full 180 (laughs) with this franchise. (laughs) I took approximately zero notes for the first Twilight movie. I took almost a hundred notes. For just breaking Dawn Part (laughs) 2. It is truly... I took too many notes. So many of these, I'm not even going to bother talking about. They don't matter. Um, (laughs) Or they'll be like a five second, just, oh, this also happened. Anyway. There um, there is a point where all of my notes go from being like single, like notes about something to like branch off notes uh, about tangents that I'm just like, we we do not have the time to go into this. Uh, but yeah, we opened the movie in something that confused me because I worried that it just started the end of the previous movie again. Because we start with an opening credit sequence, which we haven't had yeah. the rest of the franchise. Um, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think it's unnecessary. Because whoa, we have whoa. a really nice... It's because we have a really nice end credits thing with this movie. And I don't think we needed both to add on another 10 minutes to this movie. It's just another continuation of Danny thinks they should have just made one Breaking Dawn. That very well may be. Uh, I, for one, think that even though they may not have needed to do it, uh, the white-on-red motif of like the title cards really cool. and the visuals, it's so cool. And to me, it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of Underworld Blood Wars. Uh, which was also yeah. like the last, you know, chapter in like a vampire werewolf sort of struggle, and I feel like just the credits, uh, you know, showing all of the things that Bella is beginning to experience sensory wise as she mm-hmm. heals in, and becomes a and comes back to life as a vampire. Yes, it was a long time, and yes, there was that big fun thing at the end of the credits, but I believe that that almost counts as, like, part of the movie, as opposed to, like, actual credits. True. I'll give you that. Because, yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about that once we get to the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, But we start this movie with what I think is a really interesting visual way of um, showing Bella's new heightened senses Mm -hmm. with like a first person shot of like really intense sight, um, like focusing on a little bee like 30 yards away. Yeah. Like it's really, it's such a good way of just immediately showing you how different the world is for her now that she is full vamp. Yeah, we, we see the world totally different now through her eyes, which is very cool that mm-hmm. this is, like, the first instance of them being like, bro, you're going to need to step your game up with us. Like, the audience, like, needs to, like, understand that this is a whole new level of shit. Like, you know, Bella's mm-hmm. a vampire now. Like, you know, stuff's about to go off in a way that it hasn't before so it's just like, all right, this is the way we're seeing things now. We need you to to understand that the Bella that you know is gone. This is someone new. Yeah, 
It's a it's a brand new Bella. Yeah, man, and she's so much better. <laughs> Cause oh man, yes. she is like really strong now. Uh, her and Edward are able to like touch and seem normal together. They're the same temperature. Uh, they can hunt together. Well, I... And I love that the first thing Edward's like, Jesus, you need to like watch your strength now, because when they hug for the first time, he's like, okay, <laughs> like don't, don't break me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they are able to hunt together now. Um, we mm-hmm. see that Bella is like faster than Edward is, uh, and you know because she's a newborn and has this voracious intensity for blood. Unfortunately, there is mm-hmm. a person out there in the wild that Bella almost kills. But she stops herself. She's able to stop herself, which is, like, a huge deal. And Edward Mm -hmm. is very impressed with her right off the bat. He even, like, pulls her aside and he's like, all right, listen. You're, like, super strong. You're super fast. Uh, You seem to have a really good sense of yourself. You just fucking bobcat. Right. You just did that. Like, she jumped in. She caught it midair, which was nuts. She, like, (laughs) it's crazy how self-sufficient she automatically is. And he's even like, I guess I don't Mm. need to protect you anymore. Yeah. Um, And then they head back home so that Bella can finally see Renesmee for the first time, since she was dead when uh, Renesmee was being pulled out of her. And that is when we get uh, Bella having to find out that uh, Jacob imprinted on her baby, so okay, because uh, <laughs> Edward didn't tell her that mu- that so part when she comes up. Because first of all, I, I was interested to see how Jake was going to take Bella being a vampire. Like I know he knew it was coming, but for mm-hmm. him to actually seem cool with it for the first time, I again do in most part because he's already imprinted on Renesme. But he's like cool with yeah. it, and I'm like, all right, all right. And yeah, Edward he's chilling out, and Edward immediately is like giving him a look, like don't tell her because all of the Collins know and they're kind of already giving Jake shit for it in a way that seems like they don't hate it which is what I'm saying Mm -hmm. what I said last episode where like the way the imprint is presented in this movie on paper it seems really gross but they handle it Mm -hmm. like with you they're like we know you think this is going to be gross we're going to go out of our way to make sure that everyone's cool with it yeah, it feels much more like Protector Bane with Talia al Ghul than it, like, lovers. Oh, Thank yeah. God. That's a real good example. I have a few of those for this movie. <laughs> There's a couple different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is when we see the CGI baby a little bit closer, and it really messes with with me at yeah. first. So, uh, the, the weird CGI baby is one thing but remember because it's a little bit different it's kind of expected Mm -hmm. to look a little weird because we see that it also has powers of some degree because it can it's like the giver where it like touches you and it can show you things yeah like memories i believe that like it can basically catch somebody up to speed which i feel like is a great power where you can just be like all right Mm -hmm. cool you know everything you need to know um, and yeah, so then Bella finds out, and she gets probably the most angry she's been in the entire series. <laughs> yes! Um, and just runs out at Jacob, screaming about him nicknaming her Nessie. Well, she <laughs> threw Jake out of the house, which took him by surprise, yes. so he's like, holy shit. And he's like, I didn't have control over it, I didn't mean it, like, he's doing all this shit. He's like, it's not what you think it is. And yeah, she is mm-hmm. like... Did you just call her yeah, he's Nessie? Even, he's even like, 
uh, he's like, Edward is letting me live. He understands this. Yeah. And Edward continuing to egg things on between the two of them. Because now it's more playful ribbing instead of, like, actually being mean to each other. He's like, right. well, that's still on the table. Yeah, he's like, listen, Edward, I, I don't... Not play, now. No, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I'm staying out of this shit. Like, don't bring me into this. <laughs> she is way more powerful than I thought. Please do not pull me into this. Yeah, I mean, he, well, yeah, he's falling just... back on that the fact that imprinting works both ways, that it's not mm-hmm. going to be, you know, really weird. Uh, but it just catches Bella off guard, and... You know, yeah, he did nickname their daughter after the Loch Ness Monster. So, I mean, it's a little out of left field, especially when you didn't yeah. expect the kid to look like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it sets the tone for the rest of the movie that it's a very different movie than part one. Like, this is when I I literally put my notes. I was like, okay, this is kind of ridiculous, but it's infinitely better than what was happening in part one at this point. Yeah. And I knew that that was a good sign of things to come. It's a lot more, uh, like, supernatural fantasy as opposed to, like, young adult fiction. Drama. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like, it, the stakes have evolved to be, like, in order for you to understand the, the, the complexity of the plot or, or, like, the stakes, you need to know about the world. And it's cool that mm-hmm. up until this point, they've been filling you in on the world as much as they can so that f- when all the things kind of align, it makes sense. Yeah. Because, like, if, if you were to try uh, to explain, like, the central, like, conflict in this movie back when we were watching the first one, it, it would be like, where the fuck did all of this come from? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, all, all of the pieces are set for an interesting game. Yeah. Of chess, kind of? I, um, sure. But then... But then Rosalie comes in to, like, get the baby out of the situation and just be really excited to be helping with the baby. Rose loves babies. (laughs) It's so cute that she loves babies. And then Alice comes by and still wants to celebrate Bella's birthday because she's wholesome and still the best member of the Cullen clan. I will stand by this decision. She did, less than a movie ago, want to rip the thing out of Bella before it uh, killed her. And yeah, that was altruistic, but it it was a little, like, (laughs) Listen, we all have our moments. <laughs> no, no, no. She I has less than the rest of her family. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Esme's literally never had a single bad thing to say about anybody. And anytime she's mentioned, she's just nice and wholesome. But yeah, just that's by fair, default. <laughs> but that's also because I just kind of forget about Esme. That's the thing. She is she, do a whole she's lot just kind of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Alice shows them that her birthday present is a nice little house to... Uh, share that's not with the rest of the Cullens. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that because... A happy married couple can be a happy married couple. Right. Like, it, it's... It's kind of, like, part of, like, vampire couple... Like, mating custom mm-hmm. that, uh, for a while... Because, again, you don't get tired. Um, you're just gonna wanna mess around. And, uh, Rose and Emmett were like, and yeah, it took God, us, like, ten they. years to <laughs> calm down. Yeah, and I mean... Bella and Edward are now able to actually consummate their marriage on equal terms, and uh, they have a really intense uh, supernatural uh, bedroom scene. Yeah. Like not graphic or anything, but it is just like Bella's taking intense over because they're yeah because she's able to. <laughs> 
And this one, I think, is a longer sex scene than it was in Breaking Dawn Part 1 that I remember, like, breaking the internet for a little bit. Yeah, that was the one. And then one. everyone just kind of ignored this one happening, because they were just like, ah, yeah, we knew. Yeah. I, maybe it's just because it, like, it ended, and then they're like, nah, here's some more, dude. But it was, like, tasteful. Yeah. <laughs> this time it was like, they're fucking. Like, the first time it was yeah. like, oh, it's sweet. They just got married. It's nice. This time it's like, oh, man, this is just, like, a payoff. Like, they get to, you know, not stop for days. This is for them. This exactly is for them. Uh, and it's it's kind of nice because, you know, Bella just kind of wants to check back in on the baby. So when she comes back, and it's not like the Cullens are, like, a normal, everyone's on the same page family. Like, now that Bella's a vampire, there's, like, a pretty good system of things and everything mm-hmm. seems to be going okay, but then the phone rings and they're like, yeah, so Charlie Swan's been calling us constantly because they didn't really tell him much about what happened after they were like, yeah, she's leaving the country because she's sick, bye. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, please, Bella, finally communicate with your father for once. And she decides no. And so Jacob decides yeah. to take it into okay. his own hands. <laughs> Super big props to Jake for falling on this grenade because, like, <laughs> the, the Cullens are like, we've got to leave, um, but we're going to come back. So mm-hmm. someone's going to have to tell Charlie what the deal is. And none of them are going to do it. So yeah. Jake's like, all right, I'll tell him that I'm different by turning into a mm-hmm. wolf in front of him in what must be the most awkward seen up until he turned into a wolf poor charlie swan thought he thought that jacob was fully trying to seduce him yeah and he was like jacob please put your shirt back on please keep your clothes on jacob no yeah so it it ends up being this kind of complicated middle ground where charlie knows that some stuff is weird but he doesn't know that bella's a vampire Mm mm-hmm so the Cullens have to, like, teach Bella how to pretend to be a human and, like, how to pretend <laughs> to be to, to breathe and to blink and also how to not just think about ripping him open with her bare hands. Like, she's got yeah, a lot walk, to prep. Walk over to the chair. Just just walk over. And she emerges in the chair. Right. Just, no, a li- little bit slower than that, Bella, please. And I, like, gave her contacts, too. Yeah, they're like, you have to fake it if she's going to be so blood horny. They're like, you at least have to look human, (laughs) so that if he thinks you look weird, he's like, oh, well, at least you look kind of normal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the Uh, very least, they have to explain it so that they show him Renesmee. Yeah, so they come up with the excuse that instead of it being uh, Edward and Bella's child, it was Edward's niece that they adopted, right? I think that's the story they go with they do go with that story but it doesn't last long because charlie takes one look at that kid and he's like bella this is your child i'm not gonna he's ask like, any oh, questions like yeah like i'm not gonna question how uh i just saw a boy i knew since he was a baby turn into a giant direwolf so <laughs> the timeline of this baby i'm just not gonna ask any questions. see this is what i'm saying if they had just been up front with him he would have been like all right don't want to know it would have been like the virginity conversation all over again you would have thought it was a big deal and he was just like listen i just want you to tell me i don't give a fuck what is happening yeah just tell me what the deal is so i can be aware (laughs) 
Uh, and yeah, Bella continues to answer none of her father's questions, but he just kind of chooses to ignore yeah. everything that's happening. <laughs> He's like, this is pretty typical, Bella. I'll just kind of go. At least she's fine and seems happy. I'm just not going to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And then Emmett decides to pick a, a like dick measuring contest with Bella because Edward's like, yeah, she's actually pretty strong, bro. And he's like, yeah, she can't be that strong. How strong could she be? They have an arm wrestling contest <laughs> so, that breaks a fucking rock. What is your uh, perception of Bella's like Mary Sue like abilities? What, where bro, you, where she's an Uber vamp. Right, she's an Uber vamp from Buffy. So, but like, how? Okay, walk me through how that shakes out in Buffy. Like, what makes an Uber vamp? over a normal not just like abilities but like how do you become one of them and not a normie vampire so the uber vamps are like the first vampires like they're historical Ah, vampires yeah like like they've been around for for millennia well except they're more like caveman vampires because like they don't talk to the new vampires yeah they're like Like, they barely communicate yeah like Like the 30 days and they've just been living underground for forever so like they just kind of don't talk they just kind of grumble at you while they kill you. That's um, scary. Yeah, it's... It, season 7 of Buffy gets intense. And then Nathan Fillion shows up for a couple episodes. Um, but that's beside the point. <laughs> One day um, we will cover Buffy as like a big mega series. We'll just go through all of it. We'll start with the movie so everybody gets like a nice clean <laughs> slate. Yeah, we'll just spend a Because that movie is ridiculous. Let's just spend a solid year doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Don't you tempt me, Matt. We'll you're like it. 25 on the podcast. <laughs> We're just like <laughs> rolling in dough being like, let's just do something. Let's put our kids through college um, and do Buffy. <laughs> but I'm kind of okay with like... Bella's, for lack of a better term, her, like, Mary Sue abilities as a vampire. Because, like, we already have kind of shown that even while she was a human, she kind of had, like, powers beyond other vampires. So, like, it's not coming out of nowhere that suddenly she's just, like, a great vampire. Yeah. Uh, It's just that she can now, like, actually access all of those skills instead of just, like, her mind block that she had against everyone, including fucking Arrow. Yeah. I think that's uh, that when they started talking about, like, destiny with imprinting and how there's all this, like, predetermination type stuff, uh, we do mm-hmm. learn that, you know, the vampires that have powers, uh, they're just born that way. Like, they're just born a little bit different, and if they get lucky, I guess, or unlucky enough to get turned, they're gonna be a shit-kicking vampire. So, yeah. I guess that can, that, I'm cool buying that for Bella, uh... Part of me thinks that some of it may have been because of all the human blood that she had in her system when she turned, uh, and or mm-hmm. all of the extra venom that was in her system. I don't know if that makes you stronger, uh, or if you just just because you got built from the ground up. I don't know. There's all these different ones, mm-hmm. or it could just be yeah because Bella was born to be a vampire because she's got that blockage which makes her to have powers as a vampire. Yeah. Because in addition well, to know, her... It's plot armor, and I'm okay yeah. with it. Hey, I mean, I don't care. They're straight... We are about an hour away from a literal X-Men The Last Stand with vampires, and I'm just glad Bella <laughs> has something to contribute to that. Because yeah. her power is actually very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then we start to get an actual child actor for Renesme. Yeah. Um, so it's not just CG baby anymore. But that's when we also find out this child is aging way too fast. <laughs> yeah, the kid's age is uh, is interesting because uh, it had a very fast uh, development. Um, mm-hmm. it, it didn't. It wasn't really in the womb for super long. Uh, and now it was maybe a month. Y- yeah, it, it was very quick. So the fact that she's growing to this degree, I think, is maybe one of the reasons they used the CGI at all. Is they just wanted to make sure that mm-hmm. you could see, you could tell the through line that this is the same kid after a very short period of time, uh, which I guess is yeah. okay. Um, also, for... that kid actress looks really familiar, and I cannot place her. I was okay because I'm. I know where she's from. I just want to get her name. Uh, I'm on the IMDb right now, uh, but yeah, I remember okay. she was in uh, the Conjuring movies or the first movie. Um, she was one of the several daughters. Oh, Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, was this the kid who was also in, like, the Nutcracker movie not yes, too long ago? Yes, yes. I can't remember. I, there's, like, a, a thousand Renesmees listed on the IMDb, and I can't remember which <laughs> one's her. Um, shit, why don't I just look up the Nutcracker movie, because it'll definitely have her. <laughs> Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Uh, Mackenzie Foy is her name. Okay. Yeah, let me do a real quick look. Because, yeah, she was in the Conjuring movies. I remember this was, like, her big break. Because I remember watching uh, the Conjuring movie, and I was like, oh, it's the it's the girl that's in those Twilight movies. Uh, oh, yes, she's also in Interstellar. Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, that makes sense. Jessica Chastain's character when she's a little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also recently that been tracks. in Black Beauty. Uh, and she was also in Arl Stein's The Haunting Hour, which was a real good show I remember watching when I was younger. Nice. Uh, yeah, so um, the kid, although she, because she's growing really fast, when she has a CGI face, uh, she kind of reminds me of Megan. Because <laughs> it's like clearly a normal, it's like oh, a child yeah. actress with a CG face. And um, yeah. she just does weird stuff. Uh, like she can fly, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, she yeah, just she, got <laughs> she she does like the early comic Superman fly where she can just like leap really yeah where high it's like jumping so it looks like flying um, yeah because and we... somebody yeah finds that and sees that and that's a problem it is a problem because up until this point we're at a pretty awesome point for all the characters things are really looking up Jake and Sam made up uh, the Volturi mm-hmm. are cool with them. Uh, Charlie is in the picture. He gets to be a part of Renesmee's life. Uh, Bella and the Cullens are doing great. Everyone's doing awesome. And then they take the mm-hmm. kid out to uh, a lake, and, yeah, she flies. And uh, one of the cousins from Alaska that we talked about last movie, Irina, sees mm-hmm. Renesmee and has a very bad reaction. And Bella notices and- that she's there. And isn't able to yeah. catch up to her and explain, like, hey, so this is Renesmee, meet her. Because everyone that meets Renesmee, they're like, oh, cool, she's totally it's cool. chill. Right, yeah. but, like, everyone else is like, what the fuck? We said no immortal children, get rid of it! Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and so Alice has a vision that the Volturi are gonna come. And that is bad news bears. Yeah, it's very bad yeah. news bears. Because, as we said last episode, the Volturi were created... Back, like, during the Dark Ages, 
mm-hmm. solely to stop immortal children from devastating the world. And the reason that it's very personal to Arena is that her maker, who's the uh, the Cullen's uh, cousin, I swore I would have all the names, but I don't because even though I have the list next to me, there's literally just it so many help. of them. There's there are so, so many, many of many names. So okay, so we're just going to refer to them as the Alaskan cousins. So the Alaskan cousins mm-hmm. are a group of, I believe, it's four women uh, who are quote unquote sisters, and their quote unquote yeah. mother. Uh, was executed by the Volturi for turning an immortal child. So not only mm-hmm. have these cousins had a nut against the Volturi since forever, but they also have a, a serious nut against immortal children because it's what got their maker killed. Yes. So it's a real big deal uh, when she tattles to the Volturi and Arrow's wide eyes get even wider than I think they could get already. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Alice's vision shows this really badass hooded army rolling up. And she's like, alright, things are gonna get serious, we gotta do something. So the Cullens decide to build their own army of vampires. Oh my god, okay. Um, Which also has some really, uh, important names later on in careers in this. So the Cullens' plan is uh, that there's, they still think that they can offset violence by just explaining to the Volturi that Renesme is a natural-born offspring of Edward and Bella's relationship and not an immortal child. And mm-hmm. they say, okay, well, we can't just show them. We need to get a bunch of people together to quote-unquote support us. Witnesses. And it looks suspiciously like they're creating an army. Which the Volturi aren't going to like because they're already very skittish, power-hungry monsters. So if they believe that you're assembling against them, they're just going to kill you. And the Cullens are actively recruiting vampires from around the world throughout Carlisle and the family's centuries and millennia of existence. And they're just Mm -hmm. being like, hey, come meet this kid. She'll show you that we we mean well and then you'll want to be on our side. And Mm -hmm. the Volturi have to go, oh, okay, so why are you trying to kill us? We were maybe going to listen to you. I don't know. I'm cool with the fact that they're assembling an army because a movie needs to happen. But I'm like, what did you guys expect? (laughs) But yeah, so then we, as they're going about building their army, we start to see some new vampires who we haven't met before. Like Rami Malek of later Bohemian Rhapsody fame. Who and can, made like, the museum water, like Please. the Avatar. Yes, Rami Malek's character Benjamin is straight up the Avatar. Uh, he's in the care of one of Carlyle's friends uh, in the Middle East, and uh, mm-hmm. so what they've been what they've been doing is Carlyle's friends are all these like noble vampire, like of esteem. Like they're all in nice places, and they have a lot of power and and. Uh, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Influence. Authority? Um, yeah. Yes, they, and I feel like because of that, most of them have at least one individual that has powers. So in their mm-hmm. Alaskan cousins, one of their cousins has straight up, like, electrical powers, uh, like mm-hmm. L from Heroes. A lot of these people have powers that are straight up from Heroes, which make me laugh. Yeah. Uh, Remy Malik's Benjamin obviously has uh, complete earth, air, water, and fire bending abilities, which is a crazy good power. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, there's Amazonian vampires who have, like, reality-shifting abilities, which is pretty dope. Yeah, they can just, like, make it so you can stop seeing. Yeah, that, they can do that, too. They'll take away your, your sense of sight, or they can make you feel like you're somewhere completely different. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lee Pace shows up as this vampire yeah. from uh, the Revolutionary War named Garrett. Uh, and he fucking rules. He doesn't have powers, but he's just really awesome. <laughs> yeah. Then we got, uh, there's a guy named Alistair who seems to be pretty antisocial and just keeps saying how doomed they all are. Um, Jasper mm-hmm. knows some uh, nomad vampires uh, from his time when he was doing his cool vampire Game of Thrones stuff during the Civil War. Uh, and there's also mm. a clan from Ireland that were dismissed because they were too thirsty. Which I'm going to go ahead and take personal offense to. Why did it have to be the Irish that have a problem with drinking? <laughs> I don't know if that needed to be said. <laughs> they do stick around, but I was like, hey now. Well, and there's like a duo. I think they they have like a Transylvanian type accent who want to take these down guys. the full Yeah, their names are um, like Vladimir. Like they're all like these old like Russian names. And these guys are my favorite just because of like i love vampire lore history wise like we're talking thousands of years of like machiavellian style power struggles so these guys were from a faction that ruled like a long time ago and they were open about ruling they were open and upfront about the fact that they were vampires and they ruled through like respect people wanted to work for Mm -hmm. them uh, the Volturi rule the opposite way, where they're all about this cloak and dagger shit, and they don't want people to know about vampires. So these guys yeah. roll up and state the obvious, where they're like, "Dude, the Volturi probably think that you're mobilizing against them, and they'll decimate your family. So why don't we just mm-hmm. make a run for it and just try to kill them? I've been looking to try to get back yeah. in them for fifteen hundred years, which is pretty dope." Well, yeah, and now that there's a bunch of uh, new vampires coming into Forks, um, it means that there's a lot of new wolves that are yep. starting to emerge as well because they balance out like the Force. Um, yeah. And so Jacob has a bunch of new recruits to teach about wolfdom. Yeah. And we get to learn about a bunch of vampire powers. Bro, there are so many vampire powers. It's so cool. <laughs> Uh, who else we got? Uh, oh, on the Volturi side, we learn more about, uh, Alec and Jane, who are the brother and sister, uh, like, trigger men of the Volturi. So we know Jane's power is basically, like, a mental Cruciatus curse. Uh, her brother Alec has, like, Shadowmancy powers, uh, so he can, like, fuck you up with the smoke and, like, rip away your sense of, like, sight. Uh, I think they can probably kill you. It gives me kind of uh, Dr. Facilier vibes from Princess and the Frog. Uh, with oh, his yeah. Shadow Man powers. Yeah. But they look scarier because it's <laughs> just a cloud of smoke, like from Lost, yeah. that comes at you. And they just come right out of his hands and then he just sucks it back mm-hmm. up. And it's weird and creepy. Uh, and then, of course, Arrow uh, can see every thought that anyone's ever had. Uh, before, like, as he touches them, so the mm-hmm. his old his old kind of rivals when they they post up and they're like, yeah, this is how dangerous the Volturi is. We're like, even if your cause is just, if they feel like you're a threat to them, they'll just 
lions. Yeah, they'll just kill you. Like, they'll just make it seem like you were never even there. And they will fabricate evidence to make it seem like you were trying to mobilize against them. Because only Arrow would know. Mm. Uh, and yeah. that's just very convenient. And Arrow's a right for him. bastard. And right, and Arrow <laughs> to be a bastard. Yeah, Arrow's a, a power hungry dickhead, and uh, it. These guys have a personal nut against him because they're like, dude, he killed like everyone we have ever known, and like forced us mm-hmm. into exile. So we've been waiting for years for the opportunity to get, to get back at him. So yeah, hell yeah, we're mm-hmm. in. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, like, Edward's now, like, fully taken charge and not brooding, so I'm really liking Edward again. This yeah, is when I, like, dope. go from, like, okay, I'll join Team Edward to, like, I am fully here for Edward now. Full yeah. support. Yeah, like, you've got the t-shirt and everything. Let's go, Edward. Yeah! Woo! Full conversion! <laughs> Only took two and a half movies, but we got we got there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, while all this is happening, though, it's pretty fishy, because right after Alice has that vision that the Volturi are coming, her and Jasper bounce. Like, they have been gone for a long, long time. Uh, and her secrecy, uh, was to get Bella in on a secret plan, um, because Mm -hmm. she's, she's trying to work against Arrow, who can touch anybody and know any part of the plan if she has let anybody else in but he can't read bella so her idea is to try to get bella through bella to or uh get in touch with this um human like lawyer i believe he's like a guy that like Mm -hmm. gets fake ids obviously when vampires need to like disappear and show up as different people uh and he gets fake ids for uh jake and renezme uh, to get mm-hmm. them out of the country should the Volturi show up and destroy the Cullens with Bella and Edward included. Yeah. So the ultimate yeah. goal, even though Alice was originally not cool with Renesmee, her ultimate goal is to make sure that no matter what, Renesmee and Jake survive. Which is very mm-hmm. cool considering that most vampires would think that wolves were awful and that Renesmee was an abomination. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at the same time, Bella's been, like, being trained on how to use her force shield yeah. on people other than herself so that she can continue to be important if a fight should arise. Um, and, like, they drop off Renesmee with Papa Swan when, like, all the vampires show up just being like, maybe it, maybe we should keep the one with blood still in her veins away from these people we only kind of know. Yeah, right? And then... <laughs> They continue with their age-old tradition of getting rid of Charlie Swan by giving him fishing trips, and he starts to joke about being okay with it. Literally, it's like, guys, you're trying to get rid of me, but like by now I know there's some like that's code for there's gonna be some awful shit we can't tell you it's coming. And he's like, I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Just let me get out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, and he's just like, and I can just be happy fishing at this point. I don't have yeah. to worry about Bella. I can just go fish. Hey, and he's uh, got a new lady, too. Uh, they mentioned it yeah. in part one, but I believe she's Leah and Seth's older sister? She's at Clearwater, also. Oh. She, she might be a cousin or a mm-hmm. stepsister or something, but she's related to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he seems happy, okay. and he's cool to going on a fishing trip with his lady, being like, I'm sure everything will be fine when I get home. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. there is a really cool scene, like, 
right before they, they're going to get into this fight, the Volturi are coming. Uh, Alice's vision said that they would be here by the first stick snowfall. And the uh, the last night, Jake kind of makes a joke about, like, hey, like I wonder what kind of war stories you got. And that opens up a veritable can of worms to learn, and what I thought was fascinating, that um, pretty much any major political or historical event had vampires in it. And mm-hmm. if the theory of, like, people are born to be vampires rings true, I would wager that, like, almost every single, like, at least military, like, historical figure was a vampire, knew vampires, or was like, a human who was gonna be turned into a vampire because of, like, how awesome they would have been as a vampire. Like, Napoleon, Mm -hmm. or Ivan the Terrible, or Genghis Khan, or something. Which is pretty dope to think about. Because, like, Garrett talks about, like, name any single American battle, and I was there. And Jake immediately is like, wounded knee. And he's like, dude, I tried to kill General Custard, but I... The Native Americans killed him first. And, like, there's also a moment not long after this when, like, Edward and Carlisle kind of have a moment about being, like, father figures. Yeah. Which I felt was really wholesome but for the two of them. Because I don't think they've ever had a conversation like that. No, I... Like, I th- yeah, like, Carlisle fakes being their dad, but, like, this... He's actually been, like, a father figure throughout their, like, millennia-long lives. And for better props to just how much Edward has grown, like... Think about how much of a big deal this is for him to thank Carlisle for turning him. Up until the last movie, Edward was still convinced that his very existence meant that he was going to hell. So, he's come around to seeing the beauty in who he is and what he is through Bella. Bella has, like, actually redeemed him at this point. And he's able to Mm -hmm. see all of that, and he's able to kind of grow as a person, understand that he does have something more to live for, and that he's not a monster. So for him to thank Carlisle for that, I feel like was Carlisle's, like, I knew I made it as a dad moment, to be like, I finally reached him. I finally got him to understand that he's not a monster. It finally paid off. Mm -hmm. It finally worked out. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Your starting lineup it's for the Battle time. of Vamps. <sighs> Hell yeah. Because we've got just the... And keep in mind, it's just the vampires that are with the Cullens right now. And then the Volturi have their dramatic-ass capes and a shitload of, like, backup. They've got a lot of dudes. And They're of outnumbered, course, Arrow like... has the most dramatic hood ever. <laughs> Listen, I liked it. I was a little jealous. Oh, no, I liked it too, but it's just very on brand for Arrow that like only he and his brothers had like special cool robes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Volturi Voltori... them outnumbered like five to one, so the vampires are in for a fight, no matter what type of powers they got. Mm-hmm. But the Volturi also didn't count on the wolves helping out the Colons as they arrive. Yeah, man, they show up, which evens the glad. playing field a little bit. Uh huh. So the lead-up to this Uh, not fight is... Because, like, the Cullens are still under some, like, foolish assumption that this is not gonna be a fight. That they've assembled a bunch mm -hmm. of vampires to support the claim that Renesmee is a naturally born child and not an immortal. Uh, The Volturi don't really want to listen for a while until Arrow talks to Renesmee. 
and uh, mm-hmm. Renesmig is able to, with her giver powers, uh, show him what the deal was. Um, he's fascinated and make by him her. have the weirdest laugh. He's like excited for it. I, I, it's really weird to read what his mood is, but I think he's like excited that she exists because, mm-hmm. like, in all of his years, he's never seen this before. It's something new. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, the brother, the three brothers start to infight a little bit about whether or not to keep Renesmee alive, and now Arrow's kind of here for it. Yeah, he's like, Meanwhile, bro, I Meanwhile, Anthony for Sweeney it. Todd is like, we gotta get rid of her. Yeah, he's like, at the very least, there's witnesses. Like, there's people that we would need to, like, silence for this, and Arrow's like, you know, that's, it, it doesn't, we don't have to. It's all good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. It does mean that it's time for the person who claimed that Renesme was an immortal child. She's got to be. She's got to answer for lying. it. Well, and she even comes around and she's like, "I didn't know. I'm, I take full responsibility, yeah. but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm my bad." Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like she fully takes responsibility, and it is very much to a point where like. They don't necessarily need to kill her, but Arrow's going to continue to be a bastard, and so yeah. they got to do it in front of her sisters. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, she and, ended up supporting the Cullens, who were people that she initially blamed for the death of Lamont. So this mm-hmm. movie has a lot of people coming full circle, and I feel like that so it doesn't get as much, arcs. like... It, they don't get as much, like, gravitas, and I feel like it's important mm-hmm. to note them as they come about. Yeah. Um, well, and it's a really good thing that, like, the Cullen side got to know each other before the, like, now times. So they can, like, know how to hold each other back from, like, starting all-out war. Right. Because, <laughs> like, they learn to hold back the other sisters while it's happening. Because, like, you don't want them to throw the first punch because then the Volturi is going to get all righteous. And yeah. start murdering so, everybody. We're about to get to the you know, famous and infamous battle. Um, but I think it should be noted, we don't talk a lot about the the differences with, like, book and movie on this, especially because we haven't read them. Uh, but it should be mm-hmm. noted that in the books, there is not a fight. So what I've been thinking about all this week is imagining myself a huge fan of the books, going to see the movie, they kill Irina, and then Jane starts to have a little weird eye twitch, where she's just like, I'm going to try to kill Edward because I'm a horrible bastard. And she tries. Yeah. And Bella is able to push her shield onto them. And then she, Jane tries yeah, to so do to it co- to others. So Jane is no longer uh, useful. Yeah, like the ranged weapon that the Volturi had that like you couldn't really prove. I mean, everyone knows Jane's deal. But like if you didn't, like mm-hmm. no one would have known that they had done anything. Uh, so they learned that they're untouchable. So that should have been the point that they're like, you know what? They've proved us, and the fight's not worth having. We can leave them in peace. Which, objectively, is kind of a dumb way. Right. In the books, I feel like that would have been a lame way to end it. Because all of the other self-respecting young adult series have a big final battle, or at the very least, a lot of main characters have to die. In order for Mm -hmm. it to feel like it's come full circle. In Twilight, this doesn't happen. Uh, So the producers went, we gotta do this. And I think it must have been the funniest shit in the world to be sitting in a theater like, when when Arrow's like, you know what? Why don't we just kill him? Like, fuck it. Like, why don't we just do it? And everyone must have been like, what the fuck is he doing? And then for the fight to be like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like the inverse of the uh, he didn't play hero joke. <laughs> just if like you showed they up to, they don't all die. <laughs> it's like if you showed up to like an Ice Nine Kills concert and they started playing like Fruit Salad by the Wiggles, <laughs> but, like as if they were the Wiggles. Yeah, and then that was it. Then they left, and that was truly the yeah. end of their set. <laughs> <laughs> like people would be a little confused. Yeah, which is funny because I feel like. It, I don't want to say it's an improvement because, again, I haven't read the books. But I feel like, personally, give it, at least jumping ahead, uh, the fact that the battle is not actually real. Um, I would have been fine with the fact that all of the fun, like, maybe deaths got to happen. And then they're like, no, 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 we're just kidding. I got very frustrated because uh, <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. I just thought that, like, because I literally started taking notes in, like, all caps when <laughs> it started. <laughs> I mean, it was I not did something too. I expected to happen. Right. And then after, like, we'll talk a little bit about the actual fight, because it's intense. No, we There's got a to. lot of shit that happens. <laughs> I have a lot of I notes on not. <laughs> At the end of it, I just, in all caps, went, son of a bitch. It was all fake. Uh, okay, so... And I was just like, ah, they got me. They got me good. I think first and foremost, we should uh, talk about the big one up top. The fact that Arrow uh, pretty suavely murders Carlisle uh, in what must have After been an enormous... After getting kicked into the air by Alice. Yeah, because she's like, oh, I'll show you like the future. Because he's like, okay... Even though I just a second ago said that everything uh, was going to be kosher, that everything with Renesmee was awesome, and that we trust them, my brother mm-hmm. Anthony from Sweeney Todd brings up a good point. What if it risks exposure because of the nature of how weird it is? So mm-hmm. why not kill the baby in its crib now, uh, metaphorically and literally, and then it won't cause us problems later? And then Alice shows mm-hmm. up... Uh, for the first time in a while and is like i'll show you and she's like touch me and see that i've seen that there's been no problems so arrow mm-hmm. looks um and then he kind of looks at her and she's like you know what it, it won't matter what i show you because that's kind of how you work all this time is like you're just like fuck the collins i'm gonna kill them so yeah she like mm-hmm. kicks them into the air like big kung fu Oop, like roundhouse kick. Yeah, Alice fully says it's time for war and throws the first punch. Yeah, she don't and give a I fuck. here for it. Yeah, yeah. She's like, let's fucking do and this yeah. shit. Then Arrow just smoothly and efficiently rips Carlisle's head off. Yeah. To just start the murder spree. Which is like fucked. Because um, that was. I don't I mean, Carlisle was probably the only one the Volturi really respected. Uh, and they were like, we'll kill you. We don't give a fuck. Yeah, and like Jane uh, discombobulates Jasper, so they're able to take him out too. Yeah, they kill Jasper now, too. This is the this is the point when I'm like, somebody's just gonna take out Jane to like even the odds of this fight. Yeah, like take uh, out the range because it was um fuck who killed her? Someone fed her to a wolf. I don't remember who it was. Um, was it Bella? It was. I think it was Alice. No, it was Alice. You're right, because Alice is able to like throw. She like beats the shit out of her and then throws her. I think into Sam, uh, who just like rips her head off immediately. 
Um, but yeah, unless we forget, there are some wolves in this fight, and there are wolf casualties. Yeah, they, there's they quite a bit. Break Seth's they neck. They killed Seth. I was so upset. <laughs> they killed Seth, and then uh, later on towards the battle, uh, poor Benjamin probably thinks that he was helping, and he's like, "I'll, I know what I'll do. I'll use my air avatar powers to just open up a huge crevice into the earth." Uh, yeah. which doesn't really do the desired effect because it kills just as many people on his side, uh, including mm-hmm. it, it almost kills Esme, and then Leah goes down saving her life, which I'm like, holy yeah. shit, what a fucking upset, and what a conclusion to her arc when she was so anti-Cullen and then came around mm-hmm. last movie, and not only is she going to be cool with them and fight for them, she's going to die defending them. Yeah. Well, and uh, Jacob and Renesmee are running away together, but they find out that they have a Volturi on their tail, and Jacob kills the vampire without losing Renesmee on his back. It was so cool. <laughs> he did it in, like, one move. And this is at the point in my notes when I went, before I knew that it was all fake, I went, God, this is really intense. Like, I'm kind of shocked they pulled it off after so much drama buildup instead of, like, any action buildup in the series. Yeah. Little did I know. Well, and even so, uh, like, yeah, like, uh, Bella's there you, being, like, rogue in an X-Men fight, where she's just there, like, putting her shield out whenever somebody needs it. Like, whenever Jane's gonna, mm-hmm. like, target somebody new, uh, which is how Alice is able to kill her, because she just throws her shield to Alice when she feeds Jane to Sam. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't remember his actual name, so I've just been calling him Anthony, but I feel like his name is, like, Gaius or something. It's uh, like but Caius or Caius, something. yeah, but he gets, like, reverse bear traps, I think by Emmett. Yeah. Which is pretty sweet. I loved it. <laughs> well, and, like, the other brother, like, embraces death, being like, finally. Yeah, because the two, uh, uh, those two half, brothers. Like, two wolves. Well, because it was, I thought it was the two guys that uh, had long wanted to take down the Volturi. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I also learned that that guy, that one's name is Marcus. Uh, again, underworld parallels. Everyone's named the same <laughs> shit. Um, but apparently, he is so old that he's just been like longing for death, like for the longest time. So mm. I feel like he's like I don't know. Have you ever play like Nazi zombies when you were younger, and you just get to, like such a stupidly high round that you're just like I don't even like give a shit anymore, and you just start like acting a yes. fool, so that when you yes. die, you're like all right, it's over. I feel like that's where he was at in his life. Hmm. Well, yeah, and like Arrow is actually getting scared a little bit, and now it's time for the final battle of Arrow versus Edward and Bella. Yeah, man, they trounce his ass, actually. <laughs> yeah, they take him out. Yeah, they like, use their combined. Yeah, they use their combined strength to decapitate him, uh, and we're like, "Holy shit! Did they just? Did they just win? They man, won. That was they pretty easy." Ruling. But, I mean, yeah, a lot of people die, but it's like, that was pretty easy. And then, of course, uh, it didn't happen. We learned that all of this was a vision. vision. And it is kind of cool, though, because Alice does kind of be like, listen, uh, I have evidence that she won't be a threat. And then it was kind of her way of being like, psst, if you try to fuck with us, you're dead. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it turns out that she does have other evidence as well. Yeah, that wasn't enough. This seemed a little bit convenient. (laughs) Yeah. Because they find this adult hybrid, like the adult version of what Renesmee is. 
Uh, he mm-hmm. also is immortal, it seems. Uh, he's over 100 years old. Um, he says that he was full grown at seven years old. Uh, he can survive on blood and food. He can exist in the sunlight. Um, so the Volturi get a convenient example of how the existence of Renesme will not jeopardize their uh, shadowy desire to stay hidden. Mm-hmm. So Arrow kind of looks at his boys and he's like, there's no danger here, there's no fight. Um, and I love how all of them, like, speed walk away. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, like, I literally have in my notes, I'm like, I'm, I guess they were put in their place, but, like, why did we have the fight with without keeping consequences? Why did we even do this? Right. There, there is a moment for a bit of a trial by Gary moment, uh, because Arrow <laughs> just kind of looks at him and he's like, all right. But, like, that's where we leave the Volturi, and they're like, they're still totally a threat. They definitely didn't like being shown up that way. They're absolutely no. going to look for a way to take out the Collins at some point. And they're still mm-hmm. out there. And I felt really, really bad for the homeboys who wanted the Volturi dead, because they're like, you're just gonna let them walk? We have them on the ropes. We could have killed them. We could have stopped future problems. And the Collins mm-hmm. are like, ah, but who cares about that? Like, we fucking do. Jesus Christ. And then they leave. Everybody like, God who damn. isn't Bella and Edward care about that. Yeah, everyone but else there alas. is like, uh, we were kind of down to just fuck up the Volturi. We didn't really care if we died. We just needed an excuse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and, that's kind of where we leave the Volturi. And, yeah. Now, like, Edward and Jacob finally have an understanding, and Jacob makes a bad joke about calling Edward oh, should, dad, which should is I call really you dad? unnecessary. No. <laughs> and Alice is finally happy. She has a good vision for uh, lots of the future. Yeah. Even though it's a little weird to see a grown-up Renesmee with Jacob. Um, yeah, so Jacob doesn't age either, does he? It didn't look like it. So I guess I not. I thought I didn't know that wolves were immortal too. I mean, I know they are in underworld, but I didn't want to assume for Twilight. Yeah, I didn't think they were, but maybe they are. I guess. Well, or I mean, maybe that's they convenient. Just age slower, at least. Maybe. Well, even so, that kind of makes it seem that like the four of them will be okay. That like, yes, mm-hmm. Edward and Bella are never gonna die. Um, Renesme probably will be immortal, or at the very least, will live a long time and can be yeah. turned into a full. She'll vampire. have like a sea turtle life. <laughs> yeah, a sea. <laughs> Renesme is saying you'll live for a couple hundred years. She's a sea. She might as well be a sea turtle if you just replaced <laughs> every scene in this movie of Renesme <laughs> with a big fucking sea turtle. It would have had the same effect because all Renesme does to communicate is touch people, just touch somebody. Yeah, <laughs> they might as well have had a right. turtle. <laughs> Damn it! And then we have our end of series uh, recap montage. Wait, wait, wait with, before we uh, before we get of, to that, oh, uh, there is yeah. a really nice uh, moments that I, I I really liked. So one of the last things that we see in the movie, actually the very last scene in the movie, uh, is just Edward and Bella in their favorite meadow spot, and uh, oh right, th- uh, Bella has practiced this ability. She's kind of like the invisible woman from the Fantastic Four. Where she starts out with an ability that seems like kind of one note, and then through practice mm-hmm. she becomes objectively the most powerful member of the team. Because Bella yeah. has found a way to like project her memories onto people, 
And so she uses that opportunity to show Edward everything that she's experienced from their relationship from her perspective. Giving this chronically, up until recently, chronically insecure man all of the emotional validation evidence that he needs that she's always loved him. And I think, if I may be sappy, it's a very effective use of the Christina Perry song that's kind of like the big selling point of this movie's soundtrack. Uh, yeah. I think that's really that's really sweet. Because um, it, it does kind of remind us that at the heart of this story, as awesome as the vampire lore is, it is a love story. And it's a very it's a well-crafted love story at its heart, I believe. And at least it ends yeah. well, uh, which is more than I can say for most love stories that I usually end up reading about. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then that transitions with the song into a recap of montage, uh, recap montage from the movies, which leads into a recap credit sequence. Those that are credits cool. everyone who's been in the entire franchise. I love that they both Victorias. That. <laughs> they did do both like, Victorias. Well, and they have like a little like Avengers Endgame level credits for Edward, Jacob, and uh-huh. Bella, which like I first, thought was kind of nice. It's like the first time their full name is mentioned in the book, and it like shows yeah. that scene also. Uh, and it's really, really cool. It's like the perfect way to like end a movie adaptation of a book series is to bring mm-hmm. it back to form at the end, just like how it kind of started to. Plus, that song had a chokehold on like middle schools everywhere for the next three years. It did, but uh, you know what? I think but the it's a old, good song. I'm it, saying the it. best use of that song ever was in this movie. Like it was Correct. perfect for it. I will admit, we will be going out on that song today. Uh, oh, I, I, listen, I do really like it. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that retrospective cast list for the whole franchise was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of credits everybody to be like in at least this movie also, um, which is kind of nice uh, that they give everybody who was in at least one of the movies credits in two of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, that's Twilight. That's the end. Yeah, that is the whole Twilight Saga. Which I do also like that at the end of the credits they call it the Twilight Saga. Yeah. And don't just credit it as Breaking Dawn Part 2. Yeah. Yeah. Since they had that whole reminiscent credit sequence. I think that's really wholesome. Right, because no one that no one's just gonna watch Breaking Dawn Part Two. It's gonna be after yeah. a whole rewatch of the Twilight franchise. Which, Danny, I'm sure that will start to make its way into your watch list again sometime. It actually probably will, especially now that I own the movies and like I bought them for this. Yeah. When I first bought them, I was like, oh, okay, I'll like I'll get rid of this after I watch all of them. And I'm like, no, I think these are going to stay in my collection now. For shame. (laughs) Because honestly, I feel like it's as rewarding as it was watching it the first time. I guarantee that you'll also get a lot out of it from a rewatch. Now that you know everything, you can kind of be like, oh, holy shit, that does kind of make sense or or whatever. Uh, Maybe you'll be more Team Edward next time around. I don't know. I can only (laughs) hope. (laughs) Hey, I mean, hell knows I was. I was very staunchly Team Jacob the first time I watched through them. It happens, man. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a charmer. How about one? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, what were your big thoughts for, like, the whole franchise, man? Like, why should somebody watch the Twilight Saga? Okay, so... Matt and I also, before we got started recording this episode, we were talking about um, our... Not that we didn't have hearts before, but our recently grown hearts as we continue to get older. Because I was talking about rewatching Hill House, and it makes me emotional every time I watch that show. Right. And it may right. just be that I'm becoming sappy in my old age of 23. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's something that's just so um, captivating about these movies. And, like, it is something where you can't judge it just based off of a single movie in the franchise. You get so much more out of these movies watching the entire series and since it's only five movies long it's a lot shorter than your average series that you'd need to like invest a lot of time and energy into and i feel like it's really worth even if people are like hesitant at first everybody knows that i was we all remember how i talked about the first twilight movie at first Um, yeah (laughs) and yet here i am talking about breaking dawn part two and arguing with matt about team edward and team jacob for two hour and a half long episodes in the middle of the series um like it just it kind of envelops you for a little bit and lets you escape something else with like a little love story with really interesting supernatural lore like it it balances a really fine uh line throughout this series and i think that's something that a lot a lot of other series don't necessarily not do but they don't necessarily do it as well yeah, I think for me, uh, what's been rewarding revisiting Twilight has been the the, the subculture, really. Like, being able to talk mm-hmm. to people that love these movies and have loved them for so many years and have loved these characters in the books for so many years for reasons mm-hmm. that, when you ask them, don't seem like reasons to like a thing because, like... Twilight is kind of like, we're getting to that age where, you know, it came out almost 20 years ago, and everyone oh that God. grew up with, honestly, right, isn't it freaky? Uh, <laughs> but but not that we're getting very old, but we're getting to an age mm-hmm. where people that were really into Twilight, this was like the thing they look back on and they cringe, but they still yeah. love it. And I feel like that's kind of the heart of why we covered these movies at all, is there's something that holds you about these movies. And whether it's the silliness of the writing, uh, the, frankly, uh, surprisingly cringy but hilarious plot points that happen, uh, the dialogue, mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, the vampire lore, which was what sold me. And through that, I was able to get comfortable enough with the story to fall in love with the rest of it. And to yeah. look at it in terms of, like, I mean, I, w- I was sending Danny several, like, Twilight memes that I would find throughout the last couple of weeks, and it's Somebody so funny. just yesterday sent me a Twilight If It Was a Muppet movie. Dude, I saw it the other day. <laughs> so I watched that the other day. But, like, my favorite <laughs> ones are, like, the movie is, like, so prolific that people have this TikTok trends of people that like recreate scenes from the movie and they only mm-hmm. like slightly dramatize like how people look or act and those movies out of context are fucking hilarious like there is yeah. so much shit like what we just talked about like the end of the last movie 
objectively, it was a 18-year-old girl who was pregnant with a magical baby that was eating her alive, and the two hunky loves of her life, who were both a werewolf and a vampire, delivered this baby to her until she died mm. and then came back to life as a vampire, and then the four of them together stood against a vampire Machiavellian clan, and then that was the end. Like, that makes so little sense out of context, but once mm-hmm. you know the world and you're kind of in the water with it, it just yeah. works, and you love it. But it's also just as much fun to, like, kind of make fun of at times, too. Mm-hmm. For sure. <sighs> this feels like an end of an era. We've been right, covering honestly, these movies for yeah. four weeks, but it feels like it's been so much more. It honestly has. Like, it, it's going to feel weird not being up to my ears in Twilight again. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. I mean, it's a little bit of a, of a nice change of pace. I'm glad it at least shows our versatile range uh, as podcast yes. hosts about what we can talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, we would love to hear from all of you guys about what you think. This was a big departure for us in several ways, uh, but I'm glad that both of us had such a great time with it. We would love to hear mm-hmm. from you about what you think about these movies or books. Uh, what did you think or about our... if it inspired our... you to check them out. Yeah, especially if it inspired you to check them out. Um, what did y'all think about our hot takes? Um, I When my friend who loves the books, I keep telling her sometimes about like your perspective. And she's just like, uh-huh. I don't understand that boy. How can he... <laughs> it was so funny. Her like going, I can't believe he's still on Team Jacob. Does he know how it ends? I'm like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i, I think it's movie been, by movie yeah, right right it had to be natural uh we had we had to keep yeah. the integrity oh man i love this i'm glad that you let us cover this oh yeah man i'm really glad we ended up doing it oh man so uh we'll be back at you guys soon uh we prop we'll be taking a well, well this is we're recording this episode a little bit early because uh, I will be out of town for spring break. Uh, but by the time mm-hmm. I come back, the two of us will have some fresh new spooks in the works for y'all. Yes. Um, don't know how we're going to top this, but we'll find a way. <laughs> I, would, I was joking with somebody the other day. I was like, man, I don't know how we're going to like come off of Twilight honestly, or something else after this. Like, how are we going to come off of this? <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, but we'll, we'll find a way, I'm sure. Uh, follow yes. our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks, everyone, for holding on with us throughout this series. It was such a great time. Uh, my advice, um, this series, if anything, called all of us to look at red flags, um, but also to understand the lore behind red flags and how sometimes you can reach people you just have to have them read your unborn child's mind and know that it's not a monster (laughs) or have your other friend imprint on said child to not hate you or your choices anymore it's weird this is a hard one to be of advice for i I believe it man but for all you (laughs) listeners out there until next time you stay spooky out there (laughs) 